0: Well, we arrive in our study of Matthew this morning at a familiar story. story no doubt you have heard if you've spent any time around the church. In fact, it's the only story of Jesus' miracles that is recorded in all four Gospels, which speaks to its importance. This morning we are going to hear about the feeding of the 5,000. Which in reality is probably the feeding of two or three times that number because the 5,000 only accounts for the men. And I feel an urge this morning. Anytime we arrive at a, a story this familiar, there is a, a tendency to disengage It's so familiar, we can think as we approach the text here in Matthew 14, that we know all there is to know about this story. But this morning, I want you to ask the Spirit to help you resist that temptation. Because there is a reason all four evangelists think this story is important. There's a reason it's included in all their written witness regarding the ministry of Jesus. You see, this, this story, this miraculous feeding, reveals the heart of God toward his people. Moreover, it offers new dimensions, a clearer picture of the greater work that Jesus has come to do on our behalf. The feeding of the 5,000 is a testimony to the gospel. I want you to hear this good news declaration this morning. The good news that Matthew wants us to take away from this section of Matthew 14. Jesus has met us in our desolate place to heal our disease and satisfy our hunger in order to give us a life of abundance. What the the feeding of the 5,000 shows us is that Jesus has met us in our desolate place to heal our disease and satisfy our hunger in order to give us a life of abundance. And while that statement is certainly true, a summary of what we will see today unfold in our text, it's also a statement, a summary of the larger gospel work that Jesus Christ has done for all of us, and an encapsulation of the full story of redemption. Hear me this morning, in Jesus, we find both salvation and satisfaction, Both of those elements are essential to the gospel work that Christ has done for us. And the the redemptive work of Jesus, yes, we have found salvation and we will celebrate that today. But more than that, we have also found satisfaction. True delight and joy are yours in Christ. Are you ready to be encouraged this morning? Matthew 14, let's read verses 13 to 21. Here's what the word of God says. Now, when Jesus heard this about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring bring the crowds, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and they were all satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate, were about 5,000 men, besides women and children, some ten to 15,000 people ate and were satisfied that day. That's a pretty remarkable story, isn't it? Jesus, upon hearing about the death of John the Baptist and, and Herod's reaction to it, leads to a desolate place. He wants to be alone. He wants to be in isolation, away from anyone, anything to consider his own future, to grieve. And think about the death that certainly awaits him. But the crowds refuse to leave him alone. They follow him into this desolate place and they find more than they bargained for. And we in turn, once again, get to see the blessing of Christ's compassion and his miraculous work on their behalf more than that, we get a glimpse of the gospel. Now, to help us really unpack how this story allows us to understand and appreciate the larger story of the gospel, I want to unpack that initial gospel declaration that we just rejoiced over. That Jesus has met us in our desolate place to heal our disease and satisfy our hunger in order to, to give us a life of abundance, Because again, while it is a true summation of this story, it's also a picture of the greater gospel work Jesus has done for us. So let's break down this, this statement to unpack this story, but also celebrate the larger gospel story that Jesus has authored for us as his people. Firstly, Jesus has met us in our desolate place. In the course of our story, Matthew tells us that Jesus withdraws again to an isolated place, a desert, to be alone. But the people follow him. They follow him really without any regard to their own basic needs because they are so desperate for what he has to offer. And I love Christ's response here because it's so different than mine likely would have been. Even though he's trying to get away, even though he's trying to have a moment to himself, he sees these people following him. He sees them coming after him. And in verse 14, the Bible says, Matthew tells us that Jesus has compassion on them. How would you have reacted in a moment like this? Guys, can I just have a minute? Can I just get a moment by myself. Everywhere I go, you just show up. You keep following me. But that's not how Jesus responds. He looks upon them and he welcomes them because Jesus knows his purpose. He knows why he came. He came for them. To turn his back on them in this moment would be to turn his back on the very reason the Father sent him. Jesus came to a greater place of desolation. He came to our fallen world. He left the glory of heaven to step into creation, to step into our broken reality, still under the rule of sin and its curse. He came to meet us in our exile from the garden to give us the opportunity one day to return. And as he looks at these people, he sees them in their desperation. He sees them in their greater place of desolation, and he welcomes them to himself. They need him just like we need him today. And he was and is willing and able to help. Can I just declare something over you that I hope that you believe this morning? You are not a burden to Jesus. He's not trying to get away from you. He delights in helping us. He delights in us seeking him out. So go after him and look how he helps those who seek him. Jesus has met us in our desolate place to heal our disease. In our desolation, he saves us. The people follow Jesus into this desert, desert because of their great need. Among the great crowd, there are many who are sick. There are many who are in need of healing, and Jesus willingly heals them, showing, once again, incredible compassion. And let's not skip over this timely, wonderful reminder from Matthew to us about the fullness of our need for Jesus. We live in a broken and fallen world, and we ourselves are broken. We are stricken with the disease of sin. Think about all the diseases that we have encountered in our story, or our, our review, our study of Matthew's gospel. Leprosy, paralysis, fever, a withered hand, a woman with an issue of blood that led her to be perpetually unclean. We've seen people who were mute, deaf, deaf, Blind, some by demonic oppression. We've even seen death. And what we've learned is that all of these physical realities that Jesus has healed and shown remarkable authority over are echoes of a greater spiritual reality, a a greater problem that all of us face. We have a deeper sickness that we need Jesus to heal. The Bible is clear, friends. In our sin, we are lepers. In our sin, we have an issue of blood that leaves us perpetually, eternally unclean. We are diseased at the core of who we are, and we are spiritually blind to that reality. Our eyes can't even see the sickness nor the cure. Our ears are so stopped up with sin that we can't hear the salvation that God has offered apart from his help. We are spiritually dead. Separated from our holy and righteous God, but Jesus... But Jesus has met us in our desperate place, in our desolation. He has seen us and had compassion upon us. He removed the scales from our eyes to allow us to see his glory. He has opened our ears to hear his gospel. He has loosened our tongues to respond in repentance and believe. He has brought us from death to life. He... His blood has covered our impure blood and made us clean, eternally clean. He alone can do this and he delights in doing it. Can we just celebrate today what Christ has done for us? Can we just revel in the fact, thank you, you can clap, praise the Lord. Let's never get over Let's never not be in awe of where we were, where Jesus found us, and what he has done on our behalf. In Jesus, we have found salvation. But there's more to this gospel story. There's more reason to celebrate. Jesus has met us in our desolate desolate place, yes, to heal our disease, but also to satisfy our hunger. Now here's where we begin to add new dimensions to our understanding of the full work of Christ. The illnesses were not the only present need in our text. They are literally in the middle of nowhere. And as evening approaches in verse 15, suddenly the disciples become concerned about food. I guess there are no moms among the disciples. Because they would have thought about food beforehand. And one of them would have had an oversized bag who would have said, I may have enough snacks for everyone. But they become concerned about food because when people get hungry, they get angry. They get restless, hangry. The hunger comes out. So the disciples suggest that the crowds go away into the towns and villages in order to find food. But Jesus has other ideas. He's not surprised by this moment. He wants to, to use this moment to teach his disciples something in us about the full work he has come to do. He says in verse 16, they don't need to go away. Disciples, you give them something to eat, which is a surprising thing for Jesus to say because the disciples say, we don't have enough. All we have is five loaves and and two fish. There's no way that we can feed this crowd with what we have. And the crowd themselves don't have enough to feed those among them. Beyond that, we are in a desert. The area around us will not provide anything for us to eat. No one amongst them could fix the problem, but thankfully Jesus is there. And what they could not do, what the environment could not do, Jesus can do. Jesus takes the limited resources the disciples have in the midst of a desert and he multiplies them to meet the needs of the people, to satisfy their hunger. And this physical act has a spiritual dimension to it as well. This is some really good news that I want us to dwell in and make sure that we are grasping everything that Matthew is telling us here. Listen, it is not just the case that Jesus saves us. He does. And we just celebrated that. And we need to always celebrate that. We make much of that around here at Bay Leaf Baptist Church, that Jesus saves and he alone saves because we needed to be saved from our sin in order to be in right relationship with God. But know that Jesus also does more than that. As he removes the power and rule of sin in our lives, he gives us something better. He gives us Himself, so that as we receive Jesus, we are satisfied. Listen, the only reason we choose sin is because we are trying to satisfy a longing at the depths of our soul, that the deepest part of our hearts that God put within us to drive us to him. The problem is in our sin, we stop short. We exchange the, the glory of God for created things. And we think those created things are enough, but they are not. The only place we can ever find true satisfaction, true joy is in God. He created us that way. You want love? You want to find love? Do you have a craving for love? Why not go to the place where love is found in its infinite and perfect form? It's found in God And Jesus is the way that we get to what we need, the the way that we get to what we long for. And the way that Matthew makes this point that Jesus invites us into a place of satisfaction is really remarkable. He engages the language of a feast. Look at verses 18 and 19. After the disciples tell him of the problem, We only have five loaves, two fish. He said, bring the crowds here to me, invite them to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven, says a blessing. Then he breaks the loaves, gives them to the disciples and the disciples pass them out to the crowds so that all eat and all eat are satisfied. Do you do you get the picture of a feast here that Jesus is acting here as the head of a household who's invited these friends, this crowd to his house. He asks them to sit at his table. He has the food brought out. He asks a blessing over the food and then he hands the food to his servants to distribute to every person at his table. This is a banquet in the midst of a desert. And Jesus is quite the host because everyone eats until they are full. And remarkably, they all, live, they all leave alive, which is very different than the banquet we looked at last week in Herod's house. Hear me, think about what this means for us, church. We have been invited by Jesus into a new household. We've been invited to sit with a new head of house at his table who has promised us that he will satisfy the deepest needs of our being and we will actually be satisfied, filled with joy both now and for all of eternity. You need to know and trust that your deepest hunger, your deepest Thirst, your deepest desires can only be satisfied in Jesus. And he is inviting you to his table to be satisfied. Listen, he is not calling us to starve. He's calling us to live in fullness. And this is important for us to remember because I think a lot of times we as Christians get caught up on all the things that we have to sacrifice or give up when we come to Jesus. We think about all the things that the world around us gets to enjoy and we view Christianity as this restrictive religion, all these rules and regulations, all this, this, these lists of don't do's, but that is not what Christ is calling us to. Yes, there are things that we need to give up, but those things that we give up are for our good. And more than that, what we get in return is far better. Nobody complains about passing McDonald's when you end up at Angus Barn. Let's get the right perspective, friends, that in Jesus, we get the most incredible bread of life that we get to drink of living water that will cause us to never thirst again. Jesus has met us in our desolate place to heal our disease and satisfy our hunger. And listen to this, in order to give us a life of abundance. It's important to note here that after everyone was satisfied, 12 baskets of leftovers were collected. There's more left than they began with. Now, we don't know the full significance of that number, except to say that there was an abundance. Enough to feed, more than enough to feed anyone who had a need. It's a declaration to us that in Jesus, there is always more than enough. It's not the case that the more people that come to Christ's table, that Jesus will run out of food. That had to be a concern here, right? Think about the perspective of the guy who actually brought the food. He thought about it. He brought the bread. He brought the fish. Jesus, you want me to give up what I brought so that everyone could eat? But that's, that doesn't make any sense because with this amount of food and this amount of people, not only am I gonna be hungry, everybody's gonna be hungry. They're just gonna get just enough to be mad. The thought is, if I share what I have, it will diminish what I have. And I think we had that perspective at times in our Christian lives as well. If we share what Christ has given to us, if we share the blessing that we have found in Jesus, if we share the satisfaction that we have found in Christ, just maybe it will be diminished. Diminished. Because the more people that partake, the less that I have to offer. But that is not true in the kingdom of God. Jesus is infinite. He he never runs dry. He will never run out. There is always more than enough. To as many as come to his table, there will be more than enough to satisfy. There will be provision left over. Do we believe that God not only will save, but satisfy? That he will meet the deepest needs of his people? This has been a testimony of the scripture, friends. God has always met the needs of his people. There are echoes here in this text of the Exodus. As the people of God leave Egyptian bondage miraculously. And they begin wandering through the wilderness a desert and they cry out to God how are we going to eat did you leave us did you lead us out of egypt to leave us in the desert to starve but what did god do he provided manna from heaven later in the old testament second kings chapter 4 we see god providing for the sons the prophets through the prophet Elisha. Let me just read for this this passage for you from 2 Kings 4 verses 38 to 44. When Elisha came again to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land, a desolate place. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating the stew, they cried out, "O man of God, there is death in the pot. Now, let me just give you an encouragement here. If your wife cooks a meal, that's that's not something to say. and they could not eat it. This is actually poisonous. It was going to actually lead to death. And he said, Elisha, bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, pour some out for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. What was deadly now caused life. A man came from this place, whatever this is, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits. He brought Twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack, and Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set before a hundred men just twenty loaves? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate, they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. God has been telling us that this day was coming. What was miraculous with Elisha, death to life temporarily, 20 for 100 has become more miraculous with Jesus. The testimony of scripture is clear, friends. In Christ, we can all be fed. We can all be saved and satisfied both now and for eternity. And what has Is is right now becoming evident among us in Matthew chapter 14, is pointing us to a day when we will be invited by Jesus to sit at his table for all of eternity and not in some deserted place, but in a place that he has gone to prepare for us. Let me encourage us from Revelation 19 this morning. Hear these words for those of us who are in Jesus. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deed of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. If you are in Jesus, you are his bride. And there's coming a day when he will come back for you and invite you to his table for all of eternity. And he will feed you. He will feed you. Remarkably, do you get your full forever? Do you see this morning how we are beneficiaries of the compassion of Christ? Do you see this morning the salvation that He has provided for us and the satisfaction, the kind of satisfaction that will never run dry because He is offering up the tap of His eternity and infiniteness for us to feast upon? Hear me, church. In Jesus, the promise of the gospel, he has met us in our desperate place, our place of desolation, to heal our disease and satisfy our hunger, to give us a life of abundance. This is good news. How can we respond this morning to this gospel declaration? How can we respond to this important story from the ministry of Jesus. Let me just offer four responses for us to consider as we sit under the ministry of the word today. Firstly, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in our compassionate God. Do you realize that you were in a desolate place? Do you realize the broken reality of your life apart from Christ. And there was nothing you could do to satisfy that need. There was nothing you could do could fix that brokenness. There was nothing you could do to heal your sickness. And there was nothing around you that could help you either apart from Jesus coming to meet us in our desolate place. Can we rejoice this morning that Jesus left the glory of heaven, perfection. Just consider all the good of heaven that Jesus left that to come here, to meet us, to rescue us. And we are not a burden to him, that he did it willingly and delighted in doing it. Oh, let us celebrate that kind of good Jesus, that kind of good Lord. He's worthy of our worship. Amen. Amen. And let's look to him alone for salvation. Maybe this morning you're coming in here and you're recognizing your broken state for the first time. Maybe you're recognizing you're seeing the sickness of your heart and you've been looking for satisfaction. You've been looking for salvation in all the wrong places. And you've heard the declaration this morning and want to respond that there is salvation in no one else. There is satisfaction in no one else but Jesus. In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We would love to walk with you through a decision for Christ as Jesus opens your eyes and opens your ears and loosens your tongue to respond to his gospel work. And for those of us who are in Christ, let's also delight and commit to continuing to delight in Jesus's work of satisfaction. Until we get to heaven, we need to have the discipline to remember where true joy and satisfaction is found. Because if we're not careful, we will turn back to that pot of death thinking that it will bring life when it will only bring emptiness and destruction. We need to remember, friends, that a certain earthly relationship will not bring us true joy. A certain number in our bank account will not bring us true joy. A certain promotion at work will not bring us true joy. A certain achievement in the classroom on the athletic field will, will not bring us true joy. A certain amount of children will not bring us true joy. Those are all good things. But the only place where true joy and satisfaction are found is in Christ. Every day we need to wake up and remind ourselves of that truth. That as I go about my day today, as I live as a a living witness for Christ, my ultimate joy and satisfaction is found in him. I will not leave Live for the pleasure of men. I will not live for the pleasure of myself. I will live for the pleasure of the Most High and find in Him joy unspeakable. Jesus is the bread of life, John 6 35. He is the living water that will cause you to never thirst again. You seek Him first. And finally, as an encouragement, let's invite others to share and the abundance. There's plenty, friends, at the table of Jesus. So let's go as disciples and invite the crowds to come and sit at his table to share in the blessing that he is providing. Don't be bothered by the lost. Jesus wasn't. We've been left here to go after them and give them a gospel invitation. And isn't Jesus worthy of their praise? Isn't Jesus worthy of their worship? Let's go invite them to the table because, friends, we got people around us who are sick, who are dying, who are living unsatisfied lives and drinking of a pot that will lead to death. They're pursuing emptiness, and we know it's empty. And they either stuff their face with more emptiness, hoping that something will stick, or they live lives of escapism, trying to free themselves from the burden of this life, the emptiness of this life, just waiting for it to end. There is a better way to live in Christ. May we declare to them this good news that Jesus has come to meet us in our desolate place, to save us from our sickness, to heal us, and to satisfy our deepest hunger, to give us a life of abundance. That's good news we need to hear, but the world needs to hear. Let's be faithful to share it. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Consider this morning, how to respond to this good news of the work of Jesus. Certainly this morning, let's worship and celebrate this God who has met us in our desolate place and looked upon us with compassion. And if you're one of those who today Feeling led to respond in repentance and belief. We would love to engage with you in just a minute. Come down this aisle and let us pray with you. For the rest of us. As we think about that saving work, let's also commit ourselves to true satisfaction. Let's rest and the full work of Christ today, that he has taken away the bad and he has filled us with better. Abundantly so. Let's begin praying even now for the Lord to bring to mind someone around us who has not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Who has not yet drunk of the living water. And maybe would you even begin praying right now for an opportunity to come, to invite them to come and sit at the table of Jesus. Father, would you find us as a people faithful, more faithful at the time of our because of our time together before your word today. Help us to respond in a way that is worthy of the good news we've just heard. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.